0: Having car problems? Well, with Froda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done, perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at RODA.com, and lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. on CityCast DC. We've all been there. You're out and about when nature calls. And if you're in DC, this could be especially bad news because there's not a ton of public bathrooms in the city. But there's new legislation that might help DC get to what Jonathan Katz calls potty parity." It's Wednesday, February 22nd. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is what DC is talking about. I'm here with Jonathan Katz. He lives in Silver Spring, Maryland, works for the federal government in D.C., but he's here in his personal capacity. Jonathan has done a lot of research on public restrooms. Jonathan, thank you for being here today. I know that I have been caught before desperately needing a bathroom in the city. Has this ever happened to you?
1: Absolutely. And this is actually how I got started getting interested in restrooms. I'm originally from New York, and I lived in New York for a while after finishing college. And out a UTI in 2016, a urinary tract infection, and afterwards, when I needed to pee, I really needed to pee. And New York City, where I lived at the time, not a lot of public restrooms, so it got to the point where, for every single station on my commute, I knew where the nearest accessible public restroom was.
0: You've used the term potty parity. Why does this matter? Why should folks care about this issue?
1: So Potty parity as a term actually originates in feminist movements because people with uteruses need to urinate a little bit more often than men, and they take longer because of the shape of the urethra. But the problem is that if you have 50-50 bathrooms, that's actually not equitable for how much people need to use them, on top of which there's a disproportionate number of restrooms for cis men like myself. But what's really important is that this equality goes beyond it because some people Lack restroom access. So, for example, people experiencing homelessness or many trans folks. Some people lack adequate restroom access. So, for example, people with disabilities or older adults, people with dementia. And some people lack access to restrooms that really serve their needs. So, for example, someone who's traveling with a toddler that might need diaper changes or someone who needs a wheelchair accessible restroom or a restroom without non slip services. And what this means is that then people who have say additional restroom needs, say they need to go more often, or when they go, they really need to go, they have a digestive thing, or if they're just someone who pees a lot or uh, has other needs, it means that people end up having to kind of plan their outings around can they get to a bathroom? On top of which, it can lead to very painful situations, very humiliating situations. And so making sure that we have adequate restroom access is really important so that people can really participate in public life and then go about their day and not have to even plan, you know, say, basic errands or their commutes around, hey, can I get to a bathroom in time?
0: So there's been some recent legislation introduced by Brooke Pinto that would require the Department of Parks and Rec to include public bathrooms in new or substantially renovated parks that are one acre large or bigger. What are your thoughts on this bill?
1: I think this is a great first step to expanding public restroom access here in the district. But I do have one question and one issue. My question is, why is there a limitation to having it in parks of one acre? Now, there may be some very good reasons around funding or how these parks are built or constructed. And this is something that I'd like to see a little bit more reasoning on. My other issue is that there's a mandate that they would be open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. However, people need the bathroom all day. And especially uh, many parks, a lot of the traffic is actually early in the morning. And then, of course, in the summer, later at night. But these are really key times when the restroom is actually needed, not just by folks who tend to need more public restroom access, people with disabilities, older adults, pregnant women, and uh, people experiencing homelessness, but also just anyone who's in the park in general. And I think really the longer and more hours you can have a bathroom open, that's really good. But other than that, I think it's a first step. I think it's really great, and I think it's really going to have a good impact on restroom access here in Greater Washington.
0: When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, A Return which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. nationally, you know, the conversation around restrooms has been about the ways in which it's a gender issue. Do you think that these public restrooms should be gender neutral? Yes.
1: For many trans and non-binary folks, being put into that situation where they have to pick a binary gender can not only be very unaffirming, it can actually be physically dangerous if they get attacked by cis folks when they go into that restroom. It's also important to have gender-neutral single-user restrooms for two other reasons. Is that, one, a lot of people really cannot eliminate installs. There's a condition called paruresis, which is anxiety around public urination or defecation. And for many people, it just basically means they actually can't get it out. And so having that single-user restroom is really helpful. But secondly, many people with disabilities travel with caregivers, care partners who may not be of the same gender as them. And so they need to actually be able to go in with their care partner in order to even be able to use the restroom. And this is particularly the case for many older adults who will be traveling with a spouse. They're not necessarily able to go through all the motions on their own. They need some assistance. There's no shame in that. But the thing is that you need to have a bathroom that can actually accommodate that. A lot of public restrooms currently, the stalls are so small that not only are they are not wheelchair accessible, but if someone can't go in with another person, that person might not be able to use that restroom. And that's important because oftentimes people have been pushed out for saying, oh, why are you bringing a woman with you into the men's restroom? And that guy needs that care partner to help him actually use the restroom. So I think it's important from a queer perspective. It's also important from a disability perspective. And it's important from a lot of other perspectives. But the people who are most affected by the lack of gender neutral bathrooms are trans folks. Trans folks experience significantly higher rates. Of urinary incontinence conditions because of how much they have to hold it in and the damage that that then does to the bladder wall, to the urethra.
0: Yeah. So, as we talk about the ways in which this is really an accessibility issue, you know, without public restrooms that are accessible, the only real options would be to hold it in and risk all of these health factors that you spoke about or, you know, go in your pants, which is so inhumane. I guess I wonder. What happens if you are busted for public urination in D.C.? So in D.C., it's
1: a fine of several hundred dollars or up to 90 days of jail time. I live in Maryland. Here in Montgomery County, it's actually a $1,000 and up to six months in jail. Prince George's County is much more lenient. It's only $50, but it's still a very humiliating situation, especially if someone has an accident and they wet their pants or defecate in their pants, or if they get caught, or if they get called out on it. And that experience of public humiliation, humiliation is an incredibly damaging experience psychologically. And then with the legal aspects, it's like many other things in this country, who gets called out on it? And as I've told folks, it's not usually white bargoers in Navy Yard at 3 a.m. Another thing I think that always gets forgotten is that public urination, public defecation is also unsanitary for many reasons, but particularly for the person who's doing it because you don't have the access to the hand washing. You don't necessarily have access to a clean place to even do it. So there's so many impacts just beyond the legal thing as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I have heard so many arguments against public restrooms. You've laid out this very good case for it, but people who are against proposals like this, they often... Talk about sort of unsavory things that might happen in public restrooms, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex. What is your response to people who say that?
1: So my rather salty response is that there is no design of a public restroom that will prevent these things from happening. And that's just because people will do weird things in public restrooms, no matter how many security things you put in place, no matter how many barriers you put in place. And I think the other thing is that, you know, when we think about Drugs. When we think about alcohols, it's like, well, what kind of supports are we providing for people who live with substance use disorder? What sort of supports are we providing for people who are living with alcoholism? And I think that's something to consider as well. But also another thing is that those kind of questions then take away from the focus of, well, what are the impacts of not having public restrooms? Now, it's oftentimes there's a distance between like unsavory things might happen, and people can't go out and about in public because they're worried about restroom access.
0: Absolutely. So are there places in the D.C., Maryland area where you feel that potty parity is sort of done right, where they're getting it right and doing a good job? So two immediate examples that come to mind. Something
1: that I've been trying to pay a lot of attention to is the availability of adult changing tables, because not only do many children need diapers, but there are many adults with disabilities who rely on diapers and other continence products as well. And they oftentimes need a place where a care partner or they themselves can change their diaper. And uh, BWI, Baltimore, Washington Airport, actually has an adult changing table post-security between concourses B and C. And I think that's really great because it's an example of a very public place that's done a lot of thinking about making sure that they have gender-neutral restrooms, that they have restrooms where they have adult changing tables that are very accessible, that there are single-user restrooms available in such a crowded and well-trafficked place. Another place that I was looking through, um, Planet Word, which is the new linguistics museum in the district. They actually won an award for their public restrooms, but what I really liked about it is Not only do they have single-user accessible restrooms, but that restroom actually has adequate counter space. And that's important for two reasons. One is that people who have colostomy bags or people who are, say, administering insulin or other injected medicine both need that privacy, but also that sanitary space to lay out their stuff and to do things. And the second thing is that a lot of times what I've noticed is accessible restrooms don't include places for people to dispose of menstrual products like tampons, sanitary pads, and that place actually has it in a very prominent wheelchair accessible spot. And I think that's really good because it seems that people forget that many disabled people menstruate. And that's a key reason that people go into the restroom.
0: Oh, I was just there last week, and I specifically remember thinking, these are nice facilities. Like, this was a nice place to go to the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do a really good job.
0: You mentioned that the bathrooms at BWI are pretty good, you know, and it's interesting that that being a travel hub, of course, that's where you would want good bathrooms. But unfortunately, here in D.C., the bathrooms on our Metro are just not accessible. You know, why are they so inaccessible? What's going on? So if I remember correctly, it was
1: 2007. Metro closed all of the bathrooms for public access. We're having trouble getting the staff to clean them. There have also been increased security concerns after 9-11 around things like bathrooms and other enclosed spaces in public transit. So they've closed down the bathrooms. And I think it would be interesting to see how we can get those restrooms reopened, but then also uh, that would necessitate. And I think this is something where we often don't discuss it is that it would need staffing and resources to actually make sure those bathrooms are clean, those bathrooms are maintained, that those bathrooms even work. They haven't been opened for 15 years now, so they would also probably need a lot of TLC. Even if it's only been the staff using it, you know that's not necessarily the traffic they were designed for. There might be some other things there.
0: Yeah. In doing research for speaking to you, I read that Metro actually has what they call a restroom refusal form, where if you ask to go to the bathroom and they say no, they have to fill out a form saying why. And I thought that was So representative of D.C., how we can sometimes get kind of bogged down in paperwork and red tape. What do you think about that?
1: So this is the first time hearing of that restroom refusal form, and yikes. Where that gets tricky is also it can get so invasive. Like people are like, oh, do you really need the restroom? I guarantee you when you are in that kind of like emergency situation where it's like you really need the restroom, you really need the restroom. That just feels so indignified that they actually have to fill out a form where they're writing it down. And that's like, you know, I get it. It's bureaucracy. I'm a bureaucrat. I'm also autistic. So I love systems and things. But this is one thing where we really don't want to be doing that. But I mean, like the solution obviously is to have public restrooms that don't require, like, getting permission from the station manager. And it just occurred to me is, I'm not sure how much the station managers might even necessarily know about the different policies. But yeah, I'm going to look up that restroom refusal form.
0: Yikes. <laughs> yeah, yikes is the same reaction <laughs> that I had. Thank you for that, Jonathan. And Jonathan, thank you for advocating for, you know, gender justice, disability justice, you know, human rights through potty parity. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun, and I hope to continue contributing.
0: And before you go, some quick news. The Lincoln Memorial is getting a new museum underneath it. The museum will hold exhibits on the memorial's construction and the Lincoln Memorial's history as a backdrop for civil rights demonstrations. The National Park Service announced the project should be completed by 2026 and will cost roughly $69 million. Meanwhile, The Wilson Aquatic Center, one of D.C.'s most popular pools, has been shut down by D.C. Health after finding nine critical district facility health violations. The issues included loose equipment, pipe leakages, and a non-functioning ventilation system. The pool will be reopened as soon as the repairs are complete. And finally, if you're sick of lugging your watermelon rinds to the farmer's market every week, then you are in luck. D.C. is planning to launch its first curbside compost pickup program this summer. The pilot program will only be open to about 1,500 households in each ward for a total of 12,000 participants. This pilot is one step toward the city's goal to divert 80% of landfill waste by 2032. And for our tip of the day, you can get a free slice of Andy's pizza with the purchase of a book from Lost City Books. So happy eating and happy reading. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed our show, why not tell your favorite friend who always needs a potty break? They can rate the show and leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. we will be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.